0: You guys are ready to kind of just jump right oh, in. Yeah. yeah,
1: I'm still, I'm still riding. Either.
0: Welcome to Twitch of the Death Nerve, a cult movie podcast that takes a deep dive into a different film each episode. Our wide-ranging discussions will touch on genre, culture, and the history of psychotronic cinema. I'm Charles. I'm Sam. I'm John. And this is part two of our 12 days of Psychotronic Christmas. Uh, we just recorded our last round that included Black Christmas, Ernest Saves Christmas, Cash on Demand, Bell Book and Candle, Epistle for Ringo, and the singular classic Elves. And we are I think we're just going to jump right into the list. Uh, just to keep this crazy ball we got rolling, we have our...
2: The snowball rolling. <laughs>
0: uh, we got our hot chocolates lightly spiked with... What did you sneak in there, Sam? J and B. I knew it. I, I, I had a feeling it was. Uh, I'm keeping things light. I have my seltzer. Just a <laughs> You're little. the designated driver of the designated. <laughs> yeah. That's usually... <laughs>
2: <laughs> what that's not usually the case
1: yeah that's true well I mean I'm always in the backseat so yeah. <laughs> where I belong
0: alright so number six on our list in our, our bag of presents that we have is a movie that has a reputation I guess you can say it's, it's one of the heavy hitters of the psychotronic Christmas flavor
2: Yeah, this is definitely one of the more predictable choices, but we couldn't not talk about it. 1984's Silent Night, Deadly Night is just
0: a masterpiece. It is one of the sleaziest, most disgusting fucking movies I I have ever seen.
2: That's only because we haven't subjected you to the depths of exploitation cinema yet, well, but this right. one is pretty. It's, right, but, it's pretty gross. I mean, sometimes.
1: It, 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 it is gross, but also since it's tarnishing a, Christmas, yes, it, it gives it like an
0: added layer. Christmas
2: and nuns, yes, <laughs>
0: it's so fucking mean, but it's also funny. Like the early scene in the movie that like kind of sets up fucking everything, demented with with the grandpa. Who is this <laughs> wonderful character actor that I've only I've only other seen him in, in one like uh, one other movie, but I know he's been around. He's in Eyes of Fire for yes. a little bit. Yes. Oh
2: God, what a good movie!
0: But his monologue, where he's this like mute old man in a nursing home, and the family goes to visit him.
2: Grandpa, Mom, what do you want? She can't help you.
1: Nobody can. You're scared, ain't you? You should be. Christmas Eve is the scariest damn night of the year. I'd be scared too if I was you. You know what happens Christmas Eve, don't you? You know all about Santa Claus. He brings presents to all good boys and girls. (laughs) Hey, your daddy told you that, didn't he? Well, I'll tell you something. (laughs) Santa Claus only brings presents to them that's been good all year, to the ones
0: that ain't done nothing naughty, naughty, all the other ones, all the naughty ones.
2: He punishes! What about you, boy? You been good all year? You see
1: Santa Claus tonight? You better run, boy! You better run for your life!
0: It's Scary,
1: goddamn time of the year. It's. Just, <laughs> it's if well, you see Santa Claus tonight,
2: you better run, boy. Better, you better run, run for your run life. For your life. It's- <laughs> <laughs> but it also, the first time I saw this, I was genuinely shocked that the guy dressed as Santa. So his once they leave, and I'm sure everybody's seen this, but it's like once they leave the nursing home, they kind of get carjacked and the the criminal is dressed as santa and rapes his mom right in front of him and then like cuts her throat I, it's yeah. still pretty shocking it's
0: absolutely shocking and this is one that growing up this was a movie that was in the horror section at orbit video and uh, I would I would look at the cover all the time, that, like, fucking Santa Claus with a fucking axe going down the chimney. Perfect. Before I ever saw the movie, it terrified me.
1: I had a very similar uh, experience with that. However, what added it was when I rented it as a kid, my mom, who let me rent whatever I wanted. She did not give a shit. But for some reason, this one—the fact that it was like Santa Claus and it was tarnishing—this, you know, <laughs> she just kind of like had this disgusted look, but it, which gave it this like oomph to it. But what really freaked me out is not only that we had the big box, it oh
0: yeah, a, the clamshell,
1: but we also had Silent Night, Deadly Night two. And if you remember, which the, is also magical, yes, yeah, I love almost as much as the first one, but that one's cover. Is like a Christmas ornament with a gun next to it. And it always, it reminded me less of like a horror movie cover and more like when you watch the news and the reporters like reporting something serious and you see like the little like...
2: Oh yeah, like the stock images in the back. Yes.
1: It looked like that and it made it feel more realistic. Like It looked like more home invasion, like real life home invasion-y than like... Christmas fun slasher like the mutilator or something. And the fact I I so I rewatched this movie last year and I watched it with the director and producer and writer commentary. It's like three of the guys and they originally said they wanted to make it like the the Christmas Halloween. And when they were looking for a director, they were trying to find like th- the new like John a, Carpenter, like a
0: John Carpenter, yeah.
1: But they couldn't. They found the director who did what w- I think it might have been, like, the Grizzly Adams movies. It was something like... Or maybe it was the Benji movies. Was it the Benji... I I can't remember, but it was, like... I
0: have no idea. I
1: think it was the Benji movies. But I think it actually works that way. Because the fact that it's not, like, flashy and well done, and more that it's, like, straightforward and just, like, cheap exploitation actually gives
0: it more grunge and scuzz than if it was well done. Yeah. a, A lot of times these movies that have, like... A reputation that were like pulled out of theaters and like had like yeah. letter campaigns written by the angry moms of America to shut it down. Usually the movies themselves are uh, pretty tame. They're, they're not movies that like fucking knock your fucking head off, but this one deserves it. It defiles Christmas. Yeah. It fucking <laughs> takes the, Hell, yeah. the joy of the holiday and just drags it over the fucking fiery Honish. coals it is the part of the joy of the holiday for me. yeah i
2: mean i think for a lot of people and you see this definitely more and more on social media all of these sorts of inspirational memes about how hard the holidays are for people and if you don't want to be around your you know birth family you can be with your chosen family and i feel like movies like this one tap into that idea that like sometimes the people who raised you made you into a santa serial killer and family can be terrible and
0: and like the the fucking nuns in this movie like so after the the lead kid witnesses his family raped and murdered by a santa claus (laughs) he he spends the rest of his life in an orphanage with these abusive nuns
2: the mother superior is oh my
0: god it, like, the, movie the true is, villain she's of like movie. nurse ratchet yes absolutely oh she's so but fucking
2: the movie is pretty clear that like the reason he becomes a serial killer is not just because he witnessed this traumatic event and has PTSD but because he spent his life growing up with this repressive abusive monster of a human being
0: yeah. Oh, for sure. And, I mean, I definitely didn't go to Catholic school growing up, but my mother did. And you know that classic story that it it almost seems like an urban legend where, like, nuns would, like, slap you with a fucking ruler if you're writing with your left hand? My mother went through that. Yep. She was left-handed growing up and got fucking slapped fucking silly by some fucking penguin at, at the Catholic school until she switched over to her
2: right hand. She has beautiful penmanship. My mother is a saint. but It's funny you tell that story because both of my parents were left-handed as kids. My dad still is. But my mom had a similar thing where she had the left-handedness like beaten out of her at Catholic wow. school. It's I nuts. was shamed for it, but I also was a devil child. And I didn't go to Catholic school because I said, if you send me there... I will burn the school down and run away in like a serious way. Oh,
0: I don't fucking doubt you for a second. But Sam. I still
2: had to go to CCD and I got kicked yeah. out all the time because I mean, of the nuns.
1: Everybody on my mom's side of the family went to Catholic school. And all the stories I heard are very silent night, deadly night. And my mom told me one story. Well, to, to give you guys an idea, uh, my, my mom and you know, my uncles grew up in Brigantine. Which is right next to
0: Atlantic City. It's like the sleepy seaside town near Atlantic City. So
1: if you're there, you either go to Atlantic City High, which is where my dad went, which makes sense, or you can go to Holy Spirit, the Catholic school. So they decided to go to the Catholic school. However, there was this one girl, Her she had wealthy parents, and they did not want her going to Atlantic City High. They wanted to go to Holy Spirit so she wouldn't get corrupted by bad influences. And... Uh... One day, she was in my mom's class, the nun hit her fingers with a ruler, and she stood up and slapped the nun
0: right in the Hell
2: face. Hell yeah. You fucking and,
0: love to hear it.
1: Oh and, my God. And the whole class was like, was like, fuck, yes. Yeah. And, and the school didn't do anything because her parents were rich. It's the one time where, like, brat, rich kid, where I'm, like, rooting for them. You yeah. know, we're like, fuck, yeah. yeah, good. This is the second time
0: that you have laid hands on me. When you're slapped, you'll take it and like it so you were telling me this story the other day john that i have no reason to doubt the validity of this but you were saying that santa claus or the american santa claus is a property of coca-cola i don't know if he's completely a property of coca-cola it could be but
1: it's also like they they kind of like have their brand of santa claus like oh, you always yeah. see pictures the of Santa drinking coca-cola ads. but i don't know if he owns they own him completely or like i feel like we anybody can make like a santa claus movie it's like frankenstein's in the public domain but i feel like the american cherub-cheeked bearded reindeer santa claus is is a is that version is a property of Coca-Cola. So who I was, don't know how rights who shit was. Who worked.
0: was the production company that put out Silent Night, Deadly Night?
1: This is where the story really gets neat. It's TriStar and Coca-Cola was the parent company of TriStar at the time. So this movie came out and it was doing very well. It was actually on its way of being the top selling horror movie of 1984 even beating nightmare on elm street which if you know how popular nightmare on elm street is that's yeah. like a big fucking thing but coca-cola called them and they're like listen this movie had multiple protests. Like literally, people like you can find pictures online of people at movie theaters standing with signs, boycott this film. Like it was hated. I think it was one where like Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel like oh, went on. Or, like, their review yeah.
0: is fucking pre.
2: Yeah. Oh my god, they're the worst.
1: <laughs> so, and I think that's one of the reasons why. Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 has so much footage from the first one because this one was yanked out of theaters prematurely, and I don't know what happened. I guess maybe they sold the rights to another company or whatever, but they're like, well, since this movie really only did well in half the country and then was pulled out of theaters before it could really play, we'll just... Put tons of
2: footage. we'll give everyone a chance to see the greatest hits of part one, right?
1: <laughs> as well as more because the the second part I, two is great, right? I avoided it for the longest time because I always imagined it was just like they said it's like the brother and he gets interviewed and then you see footage from the first one. So I figured it was like almost like, like you said, a greatest hits, but no, it also has its own fucking
2: garbage day deranged (laughs) moments.
1: So when I finally got around to it, I'm like, Oh my God, I've been depriving myself of this fucking masterpiece.
2: I mean, the franchise as a whole is wild. Like the fact that there are five of these movies is just nuts, but as great as the first two are it sort of goes off the rail like the third one so we've mentioned our dear friend rob on past episodes he and i have another sort of intermittent podcast called evil eye and a couple christmas eves ago he and I marathoned all of these movies, and it was like the longest day of my entire life. We were like, "Will this ever end? Santa is never coming because these movies are never gonna fucking be over." And the third one is a sequel to it, it weirdly directed by Monty Hellman yes, of all people.
1: Two Lane Blacktop
2: fan. Yes, but it, it's like still a Silent Night, Deadly Night movie. But then four and five are totally different movies that just happen to have the title, which... Yeah,
0: I was under the impression that they were literally different movies that were made. They are. That they were like, oh, to sell this, we'll call it Southern Night, we'll Deadly Night 5. We'll shoehorn them into
2: this franchise, which is like an, a, th- a thing Italian exploitation producers do, but...
1: Ghost House. Yes. Demons 6.
2: It doesn't happen. Yeah, the La Casa movies. Yeah. Zombie. yeah but it doesn't happen as often in American franchises. Like Usually, if it's Nightmare on Elm Street 8, that's what it is, aside from the abysmal Hellraiser sequels. <laughs> but like 4, we watched that together last Christmas, and it's no good.
1: I will say something. 5 isn't that great. It's kind of fun. Though. It has a great concept, and I figure if it had a bit more wit and a bit more bite, it would have been like the Halloween three of the series where it's like standalone, but uh, a Mickey fucking...
2: Rooney as a demented toy yeah. maker, <laughs> which is
1: funny because Mickey Rooney was one of the people who like stomped on the first one. It was like, this is fucking trash and like you should not be seen. But I think five had Brian Yuzna involved, which like isn't he always ruined four? did he? Well, five
2: could have been cool. It could have, but. Alas, at least we'll always have the first two. Yes, and that's all I
0: need. Yeah, fantastic. First, yeah, they're they're truly like, sleazeball, scuzzy, yeah. nasty. Which yeah. honestly, it's it's something that I love to have for Christmas because I it's it's you got your your sour and your sweet, you got your hot and your cold, and it's it's so nice to have that kind of different thing going. Those, those are my favorite slasher movies. The ones that were like they
1: feel like they've are more at home in grindhouses than at multiplexes yes, no, that's,
2: for sure i feel exactly the same way
0: this holiday season there's a man out there whose only gift is a nightmare his suit is red his beard is white but the twinkle in his eye is a little strange <laughs> don't let your children near him and don't i repeat don't tell him you've been good all year if you haven't You've made it through Halloween. Now try and survive Christmas. Silent night. Deadly night. Rated R. Under 17. Not admitted without penance. All right. And to shift gears completely, number five on our list of the 12 days of Psychotronic Christmas is... Not a horror movie. Not a fucking horror movie at all.
2: It's not sleazy.
0: Uh, no. It's, it's actually weirdly wholesome. It really is. It's It's totally one of a kind. It's the film Trancers from nineteen eighty-four from Full Moon Productions.
2: The only Full Moon Productions movie I've seen so far that I genuinely love.
1: Yeah, I so growing up, I knew Full Moon from all like the puppet masters and shit like that, which never really clicked with the me. The third one is great. Yeah, I might get down that rabbit hole eventually. <laughs> but but like Trancers, which I just always assumed was like more of a full moon dumb stuff when i
0: finally got around to watching i was like wow this is like a lot of fucking fun. yeah i i so i'm definitely in the same boat where i didn't and i've never really loved full moon movies every once in a while i kind of get a craving for that like sort of vibe they have those like movies that were like just, like, video store staples, yes. You know, oh, my God, they that, were. That, like... Well, at Blockbuster, because Blockbuster never got
1: real horror movies, but for some reason they got
0: all the full every movies. Every single yeah. full movie. And, and there were movies that, like, I would like to, like, watch one every so often, kind of, like, pepper them in. And so Trancers was one that just kind of sat on the back burner for a long time. But, holy shit, last Christmas, when I first saw it, it was, like, like watching a movie that feels like you're reading like a perfect pulp sci-fi paperback and like not one that's written by like asimov or like heinlein or clark or any of the big three but like one that's like written by some like lesser tier sci-fi author like a frederick Pohl type that just like has all these crazy concepts and just goes to the fucking moon with them and it does it on the shoestring budget And it's like such a cool feeling to watch
2: a movie and afterwards want to read a bunch of books. And it is indeed a Christmas movie. So basically the plot is the wonderful Tim Thomerson, who I love so much, plays this kind of neo-noir detective who lives in future Los Angeles and is hunting down this, like, super villain who's turning all of these people into mindless zombies. Trancers. Yes. And they can travel through time in this particular universe, and the way they do that is by being sort of projected into one of their ancestors, like a biological ancestor. Which is a great concept. It's so good. And... So he has to go back in time to 80s LA where he his ancestor is having a one night stand with like teenage Helen Hunt who's have has such a great time in this movie yeah I, I think she's like
0: disavowed it or like doesn't fucking like
2: which is a shame because this is a better movie than fucking Twister
0: this is a better movie than anything she's this is better than as good as it gets this is her finest hour in my opinion yeah well I think it might be that horrible confederate flag jacket that oh she yeah wears. that's probably but why she it's doesn't supposed talk
2: about it. to I think it's supposed to be like like, a punk Union Jack type of thing. No, 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 no.
0: no. Yeah, Yeah, like, all that shit. That's, like, L.A. punks. L.A. punks fucking love fucking swastikas. Yeah, yeah. It was was shock value. It wasn't, like, true. That's because they're all fucking rich kids. They're not, like, New York punks.
2: Yeah, but to be fair, in the late 70s and early 80s, you had plenty of London punks wearing swastikas as well because all their parents were... Well, not all their parents, but a lot of their parents were like former RAF pilots and the way they got revenge against their conservative dads who had all of these things to say about like how important it was to fight in World War Two. The ultimate fuck you to the old man was to wear a swastika, with no clear adult understanding of why you should never ever do that.
1: That was one of the reasons why Dee Dee Ramone always collected like shit like that, because his abusive dad was a World War II vet. So, like to get back at him, he would be like, "Oh, I'll get this Nazi shit."
2: Yeah, same thing with like Susie from Susie and the Banshees had a swastika on her jacket when she first started out, and. So I think we can forgive teenage Helen Hunt's character Lena for that unfortunate Confederate flag no, jacket. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, I was, I know, like I, like I have uh, this book called uh, uh, "Murder on the Front Row," and it's a book of all the '80s thrash metal bands, and a lot of them they're doing like Nazi salutes and shit. It's like Slayer and, and Oh yeah, and it's just like they're doing it for fucking dumb ass shock value like i know there's like first of all half of slayer aren't even white you know but it's like as opposed to nowadays where i know like there's metal bands that like do it on purpose yes yeah yeah and i'm not saying like it's cool i'm not like burzum's doing right right yeah who's clearly a fascist but like not that i'm gonna stick up for them doing i'm just like my brain can be like this is the dumbass kids yeah depending on
2: the time and who is doing it and i feel like it's the same thing with this stupid confederate flag that she has (laughs) but one of my favorite probably my favorite scene in the movie she takes tim thomerson to this punk club on Christmas Eve and there's this punk band doing a version of Jingle Bells and somebody picks a fight with them because I guess it's like someone she used to date and in the greatest like Tim Thomerson cool guy moment he punches the kid in the face and then turns around and starts like dancing to the punk Jingle Bells it's just... <laughs> and so this isn't overwhelmingly a Christmas movie, but it has some great Christmas set pieces.
0: Yeah, oh for sure. And another thing that I love about it from like the sci-fi aspect. The is gadgets. The gadgets. Oh. Like he has this watch. <laughs> the best part of the it's fucking so movie. It's so fucking cool. It it gives you a long second, which basically means that for one second time will stop and slow down for 10 seconds. But you have freedom of movement, so you can use it in emergencies, but it only has one use. And, and he's like after this guy, Whistler, who's like controlling all the fucking trancers or whatever. It's such a ridiculous concept. But every time he has the opportunity to catch Whistler and like end the fucking movie he uses the watch to save Helen Hunt.
1: Yes.
2: And he falls in love with her. He does, and
0: but he's like that gruff private dick who's like rubbing fucking motor oil in his hair throughout the movie and it's just, and having this like time slip concept done on a shoestring budget in such an endearing way makes this movie fucking shine and, and it's one that I'm so glad to have seen, and there's this is another one like Silent Night, Deadly Night that has a fucking quantillion sequels. And every year, every year I say I'm watching Transfers two next year. We I'm, will, we, yeah, <laughs> we have to because we have to. because like I haven't heard great things about
1: the Transfer sequels, but I hear two is like yeah the one that's actually like sometimes part two carries over some of the energy from the first yeah. one.
0: And one thing that really helps is that this movie clocks in at a perfect like 91 minutes, you yeah, know. I think it's
1: less than I think it's like in 80 minutes or something oh, cuz it feels bless like it just God ends. It. Yeah. It,
2: yeah, it breezes by. Also, we should say a little shout out to Art LaFleur who recently passed away who I think we recognize from Sam Lot because he plays Babe Ruth and here he plays Tim Thomerson's boss. Oh, also we should say fucking Tim Thomerson's character's name is Jack Death, D E T H, because <laughs> he likes Megadeth. I'm sure he does. Yes, but he plays his boss, and the only ancestor that he can find is like an eight year old girl, and the girl that they have playing her is so salty. It's just it's perfect. Oh, but R I P to the great Bambino. They yeah, just passed away.
0: Tell me that you went home and swiped a ball that was signed by Babe Ruth.
1: And you brought it out here and actually played with it? And actually played with it?
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: but I was going to bring it back. But it was signed by Babe Ruth. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You keep telling me that. Who is she? What?
1: Okay, so I know I said I didn't watch full moon movies that much. However, for whatever reason, when I was a kid, I fucking loved demonic toys. That was like the one that I've never like, seen. that.
2: I've one. never seen it either. I have actually a pretty big blind spot in this area. Like Ghoulies 2 is the uh, one of the only one of those like that's the carnival movies. one. Right. Yes. yes. And I've seen it because of Wasp. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's a that's great. Uh, but.
1: But. Demonic Toys, it was uh, now I haven't seen it since I was a literal single digit child. So, like, don't take my recommendation highly, but I remember it being like darker and grungier. However, there's a sequel to Demonic Toys that I rented a lot too, and it was Doll Man versus demonic toys. Tim Thomerson played Dollman and I think it was there was only like two of them. I don't I'm think...
2: dying to see them.
1: And in one of the just of the sequel to Dollman, which is a fun movie. I watched it a few years ago, it has you know fun miniatures. To- Tim Thomerson plays like the gruff detective like he does in fucking Trancers but he has to fight the fucking demonic toys. And as a kid, I was like, fuck, yeah, this is great. Like, what a great idea getting the the detective that's the size of a doll to fight the evil,
0: satanic-possessed toys. Hell yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think I'm coming around a full moon. Okay, let's say I believe this. You're a cop from the future, and you're chasing this guy, Piper. Whistler. Why doesn't he just turn you into one of these zombies? Or me?
1: Trancing only works on squids, people with weak minds, easily controlled. Lena, I'm from another time, another world. I don't even know what you people eat for lunch.
2: Okay, I got fried rice, egg rolls, and beef chow mein. Beef?
0: You mean like from a cow? I thought it was rough in the 23rd century. I didn't know how hot it could get.
1: Trancers. Fucking hell yeah.
0: Yeah, great flick.
1: You know what's funny? Okay, so I held this in last time we recorded. But since we're talking about a time travel movie, just give me 30 seconds for it. You said that Doctor Who and Santa Claus would be a great crossover. Well, it actually did happen.
2: What?
1: Nick Frost from the Shaun of the Dead Hot Fuzz play santa claus in a doctor who christmas special which by the way a oh, guy yeah, named they
2: do have those christmas yes specials.
1: By the but a guy named nick frost playing santa claus is already perfect in its way the whole episode though the doctor clearly does not believe in santa claus and he's very incredulous at this guy saying that he's santa claus and there's a very funny scene where he's like listen if you're santa claus how do you get all the toys on the sleigh and Santa Claus is like it's bigger in the inside. And it's just like so perfect. It's a really good it's the it's my favorite of the Christmas specials.
2: Which doctor is it?
1: The twelfth doctor. The best of the new doctors. Agreed. I had to get that I I was holding it in so much. I'm sorry.
0: Sorry everybody. All right. Switching gears.
2: <laughs> switching gears completely, yet again.
0: Uh so when we were making this list together, we were throwing out a bunch of crazy fucking movies. And then when we almost had the list fully constructed, I realized that we had something in our blind spot.
2: Hanukkah.
0: All of our fucking Jewish comrades during Christmas got a fucking deal with us with our goddamn stinky-ass trees in our house. Fucking melting chocolate over fucking logs or whatever the fuck we do
2: okay so i grew up in a jewish neighborhood and all my jewish neighbors had some variation of christmas trees that they called hanukkah bushes oh god her <laughs> here. good <laughs> but-
1: anything that just kicks
0: christ out of this bullshit you know
1: Agreed. i'm with it
0: i'm team santa so we decided to throw a movie in that was just so tonally different than all of the others 1920s, Der Golem, this incredible fucking horror movie from Weimar, Germany, that plays with a lot of deep Jewish themes, touches on pogroms.
2: Yeah, it takes place in the 1600s, I believe, 16 or 1700s, I don't think they're totally clear, in the Jewish ghetto in Prague, and... Basically, it's all about how the head rabbi is told by the emperor that the Jews will have to leave their ghetto and be exiled. And in despair, he tries to think of a solution and, of course, is you know also a master of Jewish mysticism. And so he uses his spell books to create the golem, which is this mass of clay it's sort of like once it comes to life in this absolutely gorgeous sequence it's like a living statue
0: and and the movie it really feels like this like proto frankenstein
2: which it is yeah
1: massive influence
0: absolutely like for sure like the novel had been out but this was an influence on the film Frankenstein, which is so vastly different from the novel, absolutely.
2: Well, this is also based on a novel of its own by uh, Gustav Meyrink, who is one of the sort of preeminent Germanic writers of like horror novels and supernatural tales, and it's based on a medieval Jewish myth. So. You can't, it's complicated. You can't really say that this is a Jewish film because the only person involved in the filmmaking who was Jewish is Henrik Gallen, who was uh, co wrote the film with Paul Wegener, who's the director who also plays the Golem in A Wonderful Turn. But Gallen was one of the best screenwriters. In Weimar, Germany, he co-wrote Nosferatu. He wrote uh, Alrauna, which is another really creepy film from this period. All the films from this period that I've seen, and it's only like
0: a small handful, but every time I watch one, I'm always so taken aback. Like silent films are so fucking gorgeous, but especially the ones from this like German expressionist period where like they just look nuts and, and like this crazy staircases and the way and the sets of the towns like you were saying the other day oh this is a crazy set that they built and i'm like that's not a set this is a town and you're like no 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 no. and you're telling you're telling me town how- is a set <laughs> yes. yeah that, that <laughs> i had no idea that the german production companies
2: well ufa in particular who In the 20s and even into the early 30s to a degree, Ufa was pretty much the preeminent film studio in the world. I I think they rivaled, if not surpassed, some of the studios in early Hollywood and churned out some of the greatest filmmakers like Fritz Lang and uh, Carl Freund, the cinematographer who shot this film. Pretty much we wouldn't have universal horror without Carl Freund. He, you know, worked. He directed The Mummy and shot a bunch of other movies and really revolutionary stuff is going on in these films. Yeah.
0: And one thing that really fucking shocked me was that there were times where some of the sets and some of like the action going on. And like, and especially like when they were doing like fucking spell cast and mystical shit, I was like, this feels like a fucking Shaw Brothers movie.
2: It felt like Jewish with Shaw the, Brothers. With the talisman. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like yeah. their black magic movies. Yeah, yeah and like yeah, where yeah, the Taoist absolutely. priests
0: doing and stuff. It was, it was so fucking cool. Honestly, I had a fucking ball watching it. It's, they're all gorgeous.
1: Sam, correct me if I'm wrong, because you know much more about this than I am. But I've always had this. I've read this somewhere and always believed that it. it makes sense to me. After World War I, Germany had trouble exporting their, their stuff. So it was the one time in movie history where producers were actually telling the people who made the movies to go artistic, go crazy, do something that nobody else is doing so that we can actually sell this product. Otherwise, nobody's going to buy it because everybody's mad about World War I.
2: Yeah, and I think they had a really hard time coming up with this sort of cohesive national cinema that appealed to other countries for that reason. And it's such a shame, because if you think about the state of Weimar cinema, there are all these just, like, wild things happening that are really not happening at all in Hollywood until people like Ernst Lubitsch leave Germany and go to Hollywood and kind of have free reign to do whatever they want but it's like this is all shut down by 1930 1931 by the Nazis and so Germany doesn't really have a vibrant national cinema again for decades and they certainly weren't really making horror movies until the creamy films sort of Of the 60s. It's like all of this disappears overnight. And also the other really upsetting thing is these sorts of stories like Der Golem about Jewish life completely are destroyed all across Europe. Because you, you have this sort of like growing tradition with the emergence of sound film in the 30s of films actually being shot in Yiddish. And prints are destroyed, filmmakers are sent to concentration camps and killed. And so I think Der Golem is such an interesting example of making a horror movie about the Jewish attempt to survive in a cultural way and like to keep communities alive a decade before the war got going
0: early in the film when they were when they were being kicked out of out of the ghetto they didn't say the word pogrom but like i immediately got tense and i was like oh shit is that what this movie's going to be about i thought in my head that he was going to make der golem to fight all the fucking evil gentiles holding court in this prague castle and and der golem was going to almost be like this like godzilla figure who like fucking protects the fucking jews against these fucking once you pointed out,
1: he looked like Dave Bautista.
0: Oh, my God. He looks like Drax the Destroyer. <laughs> he, he also kind With of hair. looks like the juggernaut from from the
2: X-Men. Yeah, because yeah, of his hair helmet. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But well,
1: much more like Dave Bautista than anybody
0: oh, spot on. Yeah. Yeah. He
2: totally does. And the, the really sad thing is, like, there are these great scenes of destruction where the emperor's palace starts crumbling to the ground because the rabbi shows up and brings the golem and the people are impressed but they're impressed not in a genuine way it's like show us your tricks yeah they're so disrespectful he basically shows them this silent movie of jewish history and what the biblical exodus was like and then when it gets to this story about the wandering jew which is another very popular medieval jewish legend and one that figures heavily into theater and film in the 20s and 30s in Germany. They start laughing at him and because they laugh at his magic, the castle crumbles and the golem has to sort of do the rabbi's bidding to save the remaining people who are still alive. And you're like, no, just burn them all down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Fuck the fucking Gentile pigs. Yeah.
2: But the super crazy thing that's tied to the real sort of production history is you have this figure of an infiltrator. He's this knight named Florian who is sent by the emperor to the ghetto to give them the news that they have to vacate in the near future. And he sees the rabbi's daughter and gets the hots for her and there are all of these kind of implied sex scenes that are pretty literal
0: oh yeah no the implication is
2: he, it's very he, clear he, he oh, yeah.
1: grabs her boob
0: he, he
2: clearly does. grabs her yeah. boob and there are these like cutaways where it's like oh they're in bed they're going to bang while we cut away to some other version of the story but he's not i don't think meant to be a sympathetic figure like he's not a good guy he's no. there to take advantage of her he doesn't care about I, the people yeah
0: i felt that right off the fucking bat i was calling him the gentile defiler while we were watching yes. movie yes. the whole time
2: well and he's played by lothar mutel who wound up becoming the director of the vienna theater for the nazis and put on this this bitch, notori- fucking knew it. <laughs> put on this notoriously awful production of The Merchant of Venice, where the Jewish stereotypes were like played to the nines, and I think you can see a nod to that here, where some of the characters, like uh, the rabbi's assistant, who's played by an actual like pretty well known at the time Jewish actor, has this like hat on that would look to us like a witch's hat
1: yeah and
2: a lot of that symbolism comes from christian prejudice against the jews in the middle ages like the ideas of how a witch has this like big nose and warts and this pointed hat and eats babies those are all things that christians thought were true of jewish people in europe in the middle ages so it's a real horror show
1: here (laughs) Who was the guy um, Citizen Kane is based off of? Uh, Hearst? William Randolph yes. Hearst. William Randolph Hearst led the um, boycott of Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. It was right after, once again, right after World War One. They're like, we do not need a German import making money in American theaters. And I always thought it was like, oh, well, two wonderful cinema classics being like fucked over by this one like that's what rich
2: in. media moguls do yeah they block art
0: yeah that's true on the subject of art and culture and uh also happy hanukkah happy hanukkah Hi, happy hanukkah or uh Sol is it salt it's happy not solemn yeah i know no. it's all the other jewish holidays that are solemn holidays hanukkah yes. we're, we're partying we got the fucking oil burning baby But uh, moving on to uh, something
2: yet again, totally different. But a piece of
0: of just cinematic art that uh, stands the test of time and is another one of the it's one of the few movies that are on this list that I had never fucking heard of.
2: Wait, does it stand the test of time?
0: I don't know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's hard to say, you know, Uh, you be the judge. The jury and the executioner of 1983's Bloodbeats.
1: A ghost, a ghost, a devil, a devil, a poltergeist. Call a it what you will, what you will, It lives, it lives, it breathes, it breathes. You'll be paralyzed with fear, with fear as it kills, as it kills. Mutilate, against, mutilate against, anyone in its one in its post, girl, possessed, girl, possessed, possessed. woman tormented by a psych power, psychic powers powers blood beat horrifying
0: What is this movie, John? Where did you find this fucking shit? <laughs> Vinegar, Vinegar syndrome.
2: syndrome. <laughs> okay. Jesus, Christ. thanks to the gods.
0: I don't know. These guys must be kind of fucked up up there they're,
2: in Connecticut or wherever the fuck they are. Kings. <laughs> oh they my God.
0: Kings and queens, whoever's running it. I know I was kind of shit talking elves a little bit earlier, but I was kind of expecting another just fake joke kind of movie that you put on to like play the role of Cro T robot and you know tom servo and just to like laugh at but Bloodbeat kind of fucked me up and kind of freaked me out and it's i wasn't expecting weird. that at all it's demented it's like the boogeyman the
1: early 80s boogeyman not Uli yes. speaking of germans the slayer oh one of your favorite weirdo movies
2: yeah we got to do a slayer episode one day and
1: Ninja Three: The Domination.
2: Hell yes!
1: All fucking mixed together in like the Slayer because it has like
2: it is like Ninja Three. Yeah, in a, in a certain Wisconsin low budget right, way. Right, right,
1: right. But also like the Slayer has like the neurotic lady painting because she has this weird tie in with this supernatural creature yeah. and the boogeyman because it's also like. Yeah, it's a slasher movie, but it's also this bizarre haunted ghost shit too. Yeah, about like a weird fucked up family. And like the all the names, like the director and writer and producer, were names I couldn't pronounce whatsoever. So I'm gonna assume. Yeah, it's
2: Zafiratos like, is yeah, the name of the director. Are they
1: are they like Polish people? That or? sounds Greek it's, to me. That's a Greek name. Okay, for so sure. it seems like European artists for whatever reason thought it would be fun to make a Wisconsin regional slasher. And yeah, <laughs> and it that, was yeah, fun. That's exactly oh what God. it was. What too. a ball! Yeah, and
0: like it's one of the one of those movies where you don't really know what's going on, but you never feel lost. You know, right, kind of in right. that like David Lynch way, where you're not frustrated that you don't understand what you're looking it, at. You're just because, rolling
1: with yeah, it. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost like your consciousness
0: doesn't know, but your reptile brain does. Yeah, this movie hums on a frequency that is really picked up by the arc. Corpex or whatever the
2: <laughs> you get possessed by the spirit of a dead samurai and you just figure Jesus it all Christ. out <laughs>
0: and, and like the, the fucking vibe and the tone of this movie do you remember that scene in the original Evil Dead it's right after um, Ash's sister gets like defiled by the trees and she's sitting back in the cabin and she's like drawing with a pencil yes and and the two other girls are like playing cards with each other
1: no 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 no. she's not drawing she's just staring out the window the whole scene where she's drawing is a little bit earlier that's before the dinner scene okay okay. sorry i didn't mean the correct i just seen well i I might be
0: yeah i'm getting those two scenes kind of mixed up What this movie feels like is it feels like the weird dread you have just before everything goes nuts in The Evil Dead, stretched out. You know, of course there's crazy scenes where a fucking demented samurai unstuck in time is killing Wisconsinite deer hunters in the woods with a fucking (laughs) sword. On Christmas when their family is visiting. Yes. All of these movies, (laughs) kind of Christmas movies here.
2: Except for Dare Golem,
0: which is not.
2: (laughs) But it's just, like,
0: it's crazy how this, like, little regional low-budget movie just is oozing with atmosphere that's just like otherworldly
1: yeah it's it's my favorite kind of low-budget weirdo movie where it's like people with talent who have like this big idea but they just have to cram in this little low-budget box and it just comes off like crazy
2: do yeah. you want to try to explain the plot
1: Okay. Yeah, John, this one's on f- you, buddy. Well, I feel like when you watch this movie, everybody kind of has a different idea of what's going on. But for me, my idea is the mother who looks a lot like Reggie Nowder to
0: me. <laughs> I thought she kind of looked like Shelley Duvall, but like stripped of like all of the like lights that yeah, are. Yeah, that on was my
1: original eyes. idea. But then when it gets to her close ups like, no, she looks like she has the same facial structure of Reggie Nowder she does apparently her ex-husband uh killed a samurai during world war ii even though this movie's like what 1980 yeah so well i guess yeah no well don't don't think you (laughs) are tell us, tell us what this movie's about so her husband killed a not or a samurai World War Two, but the samurai in revenge was going to possess her.
2: And they also somehow the samurai's armor is at their house.
1: Well, no, not really, because the trunk only the girlfriend
0: sees. They don't see that. And the family is a bunch of clairvoyant. Uh... Yeah,
2: so so only uh, the mother and the girlfriend, I think, are clairvoyant. Yeah, the daughter oh.
0: is. The daughter can do the mind. No, melding. no,
1: and the son too. They, well, they they okay, they the find whole it family. later. But so they, (laughs) so the samurai is to get revenge. It's very much like Jaws Four in a way. But anyway, to get revenge, you think
0: every movie is like Jaws Four? Jaws
1: Four is a masterpiece, and that comes to which is also a Christmas movie. But that's another yeah. That's a
2: tale for another. (laughs)
1: Um, so it's trying to possess the mom, so it murders everybody in vengeance. However, the mom becomes too strong. She. Channels her energy through painting and sometimes and wearing
2: ponchos, yes,
1: a wonderful, colorful poncho, but like and
2: refusing to marry her boyfriend, yes. Yeah,
1: well, she doesn't want another husband to kill another guy who's going to try to possess her to murder <laughs> her family.
2: And what's incredible
0: about everything that John is saying right now is that none of this is directly said aloud. Oh, in no. some film. of it is, uh, some yeah, of it has- but
1: I like how like, it's sort of like, here's this, you tell us what how, what this movie yeah, is like, about. And this, I like that.
0: Yeah, this is a movie where uh, the majority of the plot, you have to just kind of grok Choose out. Choose your own adventure. You know? And like, <laughs> you have to use your fucking head cannon to fill in all the blanks. It's sort of like when we
1: watch movies on ketamine and I zone out and then like I come back like <laughs> 20 minutes later and nobody's going to rewind it for me. So it's like, okay, I'm going to have to make this plot up for me. <laughs> but, so anyway, the mom has, a, has built up her will so she can withhold the samurai possession. However, they invite the son's girlfriend, and they link, her and the mom link up, and she's Cause like... Because they oh.
2: both have psychic powers. Right, so
1: it's like, oh, fuck. And now the samurai, since this girl has no idea what's going on, she doesn't know she has The Shining. The samurai...
2: <laughs> Another Christmas movie.
1: Goes over and like, okay, I'm gonna possess her, and for whatever reason, he likes to kill the neighbors first, just to go some cool kill scenes, but... It also makes the girl horny, so she's like writhing in bed and getting yeah, naked. Yeah, it, it and... sort
2: of plays my favorite, or one of my favorite low budget movie games, which is is this character masturbating in bed or are they having a nightmare and writhing around?
0: Honestly, one of the best game shows that we were deprived of. <laughs> uh, and like eventually he fully
1: possesses her and kills the family, but the son and daughter of the family realize the powers they have they hold hands and they shoot lasers at the guy and then they win john
2: you also forgot the scene the greatest scene of the movie where the mom's boyfriend is attacked by the entire contents of the kitchen yes yeah (laughs) sorry
1: that is oh so many great scenes in this movie fucking weird but here's another thing There's another 80s, like, samurai-tinged slasher horror movie that I watched as a child that I have not found. I want to say it's, like, House of Something, but it's, like, a guy and his wife move in the house, and there's, like, a samurai ghost slasher. And I literally saw this as, as, like, eight or nine years old, and I remember the one thing that pops in my head is this, like, Night of the Creeps slug thing goes into her vagina at one part. John, it's real. I'm not making. I'm not making this up. This is Listeners,
2: real. Listeners, please, since you have been so good so far yes. about pointing out titles that we bring up or when we bring up a movie and we don't quite know what the title is, tell us it, what this it, <laughs> Samurai remember Slasher is. I
1: my parents let me like rent a movie because they were having. They used to play Jim Rummy with their coworkers. And they're like, oh, okay, rent a movie, rent a few movies, and you'll be quiet and let us play. And I remember watching it, and I remember like, because I watched it in the living room while they were in like the dining room, which is like kind of connected. And when the slug thing like crawled up the lady's vagina, like I was like, oh wow! And the guy, like my dad's coworker, like laughed, and he's like, you know what your kid's watching, right? <laughs> and they're just like, mm, uh, you know,
0: ah, John,
1: it's I love real you movie. So much. I'm not making this up. This is real. Then, suddenly,
2: the pair release their hold on the branch and start to slide downwards on a rope of mucus.
0: You guys ready for, uh... One m- of the greatest Christmas oh my movies gosh. of all time. Gotta do a little, a do pop a pop little pop drum roll for this pop, one. Pop, pop, Sleigh
2: bells should be happening right now.
0: Number two is Christmas Evil from 1980. Another fucking beautiful vinegar syndrome release.
2: And John Waters' favorite Christmas movie.
0: Which you can see.
2: 100%. I I mean, it feels like a movie
0: that John Waters would love. And, like, not overtly, but it just, like, has this, like, fucking John Waters vibe,
2: you know? It's a perverse
1: movie about a man's fetish. His fetish is he wants to be Santa Claus.
2: Oh, he becomes Santa Claus. Yes, he does.
0: He earns it, too. Yeah, this was one that I saw years and years ago, but it was, like, this really gnarly bootleg that I think I, like, pirated off the internet that was, like, full screen and fuzzy, and I was like, okay, that movie was okay, you know, I I didn't love it, but watching it the other day with you guys, it was, like, the first time I ever fucking saw it. Holy shit. Thank you, Venegar Syndrome. You do the Lord's work. I know we say that every episode, but... Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It looks gorgeous. And this movie just... It, like, demands to be seen with a crowd. Because it's so unsettling. And it's so crazy. And I think it gives fucking Silent Night, Deadly Night a run for its money in terms of just, like, nasty Christmas. So I'm eternally blessed. Because the first time I saw this movie was with a crowd. Wow. Thanks to
1: Exhumed Films. And what was funny, it was a Christmas Evil, Silent Night, Deadly Night double feature. And what was really cool was, so apparently they wanted to get the film print so they could play it. But the director was like, I'm not, like, it's my copy. I'm not going anywhere without it. So they had to, like, fly him. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. As well, so he did a Q&A at least. You know, it's not just like he was there to babysit. And he had a lot of neat stories about the production of the movie. But like, I went there to see Silent Night, Deadly Night, childhood favorite, obviously. And I see this Christmas Evil movie. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is fucking cool.
2: It's so different from Silent Night, Deadly Night, and Black Christmas. Because you think you're going to be getting another Christmas slasher. And it's not at all. It's like this serious tragic melodrama about this guy's descent into mental illness and it's almost the opposite of Silent Night Deadly Night because he's not like an evil Santa or killing Santas like what the hell's that British movie called?
0: Don't Open Till Christmas yes. yeah
2: and instead it's like all he wants is for people to be nice to each other and for people to be generous and give presents to each other and toys to children and like he just wants the best but but
0: he does it in this like sinister disgusting way where he's keeping tabs on all of the neighborhood children and he has like this fucking book like a nice list book where he's like filling in like all of the like perceived crimes of the kids on the block moss garcia Collector
2: of penthouse magazine. Yes. Yeah, impure <laughs> thoughts.
0: Throws rocks at dogs. Yeah,
1: and what's really neat is that it shows because he wants to be Santa Claus. It shows how fucked up and weird Santa Claus is. Like Santa Claus watches you as a kid. So Santa Claus, when you were like a little kid learning how to masturbate, you had a, uh, he was looking yeah. at you.
0: This movie, it, you're exactly right, John. This movie does the same thing that um, I feel like a lot of Paul Verhoeven films do. Where what Paul Verhoeven often does is he'll take like right wing and fascist concepts, and he'll take them not to the next level, but he'll like take them at their face value. Yes. He takes them at their word on things they say, and he shows it in a way that seems like parody, but is truly like what they like, portray. Like look at how horrifying portray- this is. Exactly. And what this movie does is it takes the ex- the concept of Santa Claus, someone who watches children all year. And judges them and writes down what they do. It's this like omnipresent, all-seeing fucking eye in the sky. The state apparatus. Right. Precisely. The yeah, this eye. fucking like weird shit. This movie takes that idea, takes it seriously, and it just shows you how fucking weird it is. How it, it
2: makes is. people crazy. Yeah.
1: It, and it, to, to go on with that like deconstruction of Christmas... The guy works at a toy factory. So the scene like you don't get these like picturesque scenes of like toy store like the the storefronts with like the fake snow and the, the toy train and stuff. You just get these fucking factory workers at another day of their shitty job yeah, on at the, the conveyor floor, belt yeah. just putting the toys together that are shit. And it just, like, yeah, it really... It shows you,
0: like, the grinding gears of, like, Christmas production and capitalism in this, like, kind of weird way that's, like... Not fun, and like during Christmas, is like the one time of year where I don't fucking go on angry lefty rants every fucking day. I I, I tone it down a little bit, and I buy a bunch of bullshit for my right. friends. And e- everybody family. sells out eventually. Yeah. You know. <laughs> hey, Um. <I'm laughs> no hey, different. I'm Santa's a communist. Yes, he I know. Wears
2: red and looks like Karl Marx, and brings right. presents mm-hmm. to everyone right. around the world. Yeah, it's canon. This also has some great horror movie sequences, even though. As we said, it's really a psychological film. It's like,
0: a, Yeah, it's perverse character study. If, if... Yeah, it's like Henry portrait of a serial killer, Santa Claus portrait of a... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but,
1: but I think that's the movie's detriment, even though I love it. But everybody who like I talk to who like, doesn't like it is because they expect it to be another Silent Night, Deadly Night. And yeah, but you already have five of those. Exactly. Why do you need yeah. another Two one? Two which are good already, but... And it's just like, no, look at it from this lens, which to be fair. It's perfect. Yeah, Yeah. it happened to me because when I first saw it, that's what I was expecting. And halfway through, I'm like, no, 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 no. Take that out of of your mind. Watch it like this. And it's like, okay, it clicks. It rules.
0: And what you were just saying, Sam, about how this movie has some really intense scenes.
2: Like Like the massacre on the church steps when... He encounters these rich people coming out of midnight mass who are the sort of typical eighties, like young Republicans, yuppie scum. But they they say something sort of disparaging to him. Like they're clearly looking down on him. And then he just starts axing them. Well, no,
0: he stabs him in the eye with a fucking nutcracker that has like <laughs> yes. a but, but a, with
1: a toy hatchet, he gets the other yes. ones.
0: Yeah. But not just the violence that's on screen, the movie does like a million different auditory tricks to just make you feel agitated.
2: Oh yeah, the score is great. Yeah, and there's like so many moments where they're like doing
0: little, like it sounds like Christmas stuff.
2: So it's Christmas music that's like, I think it's drop pitched and slowed down. Yes. And Uh, it's so unsettling. It's like mixed really low, so that a lot of the time it's in the back of the scenes, so you can't hear it super clearly. But it's like, like you were saying earlier, your reptile brain can hear it. Yeah. It's just it's so creepy.
1: But but other parts, it's like the like for Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Eaten Alive, like the first few Toby Hooper flicks, where it's like it's not a score. It's just these weird noises that they just gobbled together to yeah. like punctuate what's going on in the oh, scene
0: totally totally i think that is what kicked this movie up an extra notch for me it really kind of like locked me in where I-, I think my phone was kind of blowing up while we were watching it and i'm like you know i got a little butterfly brain sometimes when i'm watching a right, movie right but like i didn't even hear it go off like i was fucking stuck in this like guy's declining brain and and he gives the most terrifying performance. It really did remind me of Michael Rooker's performance in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer.
1: Do you guys want to know a, a really neat fact about the lead guy of this movie?
2: Is he really Santa? He's Fiona Apple's dad. What? <laughs> yeah. Fiona Apple? Fiona Apple. That's so, just insane. So... Does I, Fiona Apple have any Christmas songs? <laughs>
1: so So you guys know the story about the time where she was trapped with Paul Thomas Anderson oh and Quentin Tarantino while they were coked up screaming about movies.
2: And it made her so upset that she said she quit cocaine. Yeah, and she and didn't <laughs> well, that's what is,
1: we all say. is that what she did to to dump cocaine? Uh, who, which one was she, she dating was Quentin dating terror? Paul Thomas Anderson oh I thought she was dating the other whatever but all she had to do was to be like my dad's in Christmas Evil and that trumps both their filmographies <laughs> right off, <laughs> right off the bat so she, clearly she was like the the definitive film the cinephile. of
2: the. maybe she couldn't get a word in edgewise yeah but also I think take a step back for a second part of what makes this so great is not just the amazing horror set pieces and the psychological melodrama but there are these great like wholesome christmas scenes where his fantasy is almost real like this amazing scene where he shows up at this hospital at the middle of the night with a van full of presents and The night watchman gives him a hard time, and he sort of admits, like, look, I'm really awkward, but my heart's in the right place, and I have toys for all these children. Yeah, and when
0: he opens up the van and all the toys start billowing out, the movie stops for a minute and becomes like a traditional Christmas movie. It's like
2: Miracle on 34th Street for just
0: a second.
1: Well, that's one of the reasons I liked about the movie, because it's fair. Because, yes... If you are Christmas or if you're going to be Santa Claus, you are going to be doing weird shit like spying on kids. But also at the same time, you are going to be doing these wholesome things like give toys to unfortunate kids in a hospital, you know? So it's sort of like yeah. plays both ways. It, it, you don't know like where your morals which is scary, are. Which yeah. is fucking freaky,
2: man. Yeah. Yes. But he also... My favorite part of that scene is he starts experimenting with his ho-ho-ho laugh while he's waiting for them yeah. to come back oh and God. let the presents in.
1: Yeah, he's like the fucking Joker. And, it, no, it's like Travis Bickle at the mirror.
2: It, it is. And as he's ho ho hoing, it starts to snow and it's this most, like, magical but demented. Yeah,
1: when he finds, like, that ultimate, like, that bassy Santa. I, oh, I really must go now. But now, I want you to remember to stay
2: good boys and girls. Respect your mothers and fathers and do what they tell you. Obey your teachers and learn a whole lot. Now, if you do this, I'll make sure you get good presents from me every year. <laughs>
1: But if you're bad boys and girls, your name goes in the bad boys and girls book, and I'll bring you something horrible. (laughs) Okay, so like, uh, it starts with a flashback of him in his childhood, and his dad dresses up as Santa Claus, and he sees him and his mom get freaky, and I think that kind of like starts some of the, like the fetishization of Santa Claus. But I was wondering, I was like, has there ever been a time where some dude is like, I'm going to dress up as Santa Claus for my kid? <laughs> Go down the chimney and he gets stuck and he dies. Oh, that has to happen a fucking million times. So I looked it up and now, Jeez. not the specific of him dressing up as Santa Claus, but I found a million cases of people like just going down chimneys and getting stuck and dying. Here, let me read some of these like uh, headlines oh, for you. Jesus fucking Christ, John. Are you serious? A California burglar burned to death in a chimney. <laughs> a Colorado teen died in a chimney. And stayed there for seven years. Was he dressed as Santa Claus? No, no. Oh, these are just
0: chimney death? Yeah, shows. these are just chimney what
1: are you doing? One body remained in a chimney for 27 years before being discovered. Just to give you an idea, if you want to get lost for a bit and nobody to bother you, chimneys seem to be like the place. So apparently in like Victorian times, chimney cleaning was like a big thing.
2: Yeah, chim chimery, chimney so, sweeps.
1: But really the guy that you hired to chimney sweep would just kind of stand there and then he would hire kids to do the chimney sweeping and like most of them like died heinous deaths which yes. are compiled in a book if you're interested in a subject Jesus called of the sweepers of old and the climbing boys which is apparently uh, most like even though it's like a history of that whole thing it's mostly a compilation of children
0: dying in in chimneys. Well, wow, I know what they got to do for Faces of Death 6.
2: Well, the, I mean, people trying to climb in narrow passages and dying. There's that great story about speaking of New York, which is where this movie is set. There's that great story about somebody desperately trying to get into Studio 54. And because they couldn't get on the list, they climbed in this passage that took them through the air ducts. And got trapped, and they were screaming their heads off, apparently. But like I guess no one could hear them because the music club was music was so loud. They died, and I think they stayed in there for like weeks.
0: The thing is, after hearing that story, I feel like I would rather have been that person than have been Fiona Apple watching movies with Quentin Tarantino <laughs> and B.T. Anderson.
1: <laughs> they weren't even watching movies. They were just yelling about them, and Quentin Tarantino is like, vault. But uh yeah it it sounds so, I remember reading the one with the guy stuck in the cave like he kept like going deeper into this cave and he got stuck and then they're like he was like in a certain way where like his blood couldn't circulate around his body and they tried to rescue him and eventually they're like listen we're going to keep trying but like John, you're dead
0: I'm taking your laptop away <laughs> You're done man you're done
1: Listen like it's healthy I feel like having a more you're going have nightmares, man. You're I, don't have have, nightmares. I don't have nightmares.
2: I feel like There's if a... you have nightmares, they're gonna be about like bunnies or daisies or. No,
1: my nightmares are my nightmares are more like socially awkward situations. Oh yeah, which like I wish I could die to get
2: out of. Them. <laughs> <laughs> Whom amongst <laughs> us? <laughs>
1: Jiminy, jim, I Jiminy, don't tell jim, any jim outsiders that's as
0: lucky as lucky can be. Jim Jiminy, Jim Jiminy, Jim Jim Chiru. Good luck will rub off when I shake hands with you. Oh, below me a kiss, and that's lucky too. All right, so we've been working through our <laughs> list and. I, I just want to do a quick recap of all of the the great films on our 12 days of psychotronic Christmas. We went from Black Christmas to Ernest Safe's Christmas, Cash on Demand, Bell Book and Candle, Epistle for Ringo, Elves, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Trancers, Dergolem, Bloodbeat, Christmas Evil. And I know we said at on the very first episode that this list is in no particular order. Like this is not a rank of our favorite Christmas films. These are just Christmas films that we love to watch that like hold a special place in all of our hearts. But number one, this is one that that you showed a couple years ago, John. You gave one of the greatest curated marathons that I've ever seen for Christmas. It was called Christmas Hong Kong, and it you was did so this much like fun. Yeah. we went from like noon until like four in the morning alternating between crazy psychotronic Christmas movies and just the most insane Hong Kong flicks. That was
1: the one where it was like the weird comedy, cannibal comedy that Anthony Perkins directed. I can't
2: remember yes.
0: the title. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: That was amazing. Yeah,
0: It was such a great marathon. And and I think like around like the 1 a.m. The drugs helped. Yeah. They, they always do. They always <laughs> do. <laughs> but around 1 or 2 in the morning, we were starting to kind of run out of steam a little bit. And you put on night visitors this film from 1987 it's one of those movies where right after watching it i immediately wanted to text every single person that i know the title of the movie but also tell no one and keep it secret because this is a fucking movie that like you can't find it anywhere the only place where you can fucking find this flick is on youtube
2: Because it was released on VHS so it's an American film like a low budget it feels very much like a stage production and released only on VHS in like every other country for some reason like it released in a bunch of South American countries and Europe and England but for whatever reason I don't think it ever got a legitimate US release.
1: I think it's because it's so weird. They just didn't know what the fuck to do with it or how to market it. It's a home invasion movie, but like I don't want to say that because then you're getting ideas of like Last House on the Left. Or funny games. Right. It's not like that. It's just no. weird
2: and awkward and it's like if john waters made a made for tv home invasion christmas movie
0: yeah yeah it's this like it's shot in
2: pennsylvania bringing it really yes bringing it full circle bringing it home
1: to pa it's almost it almost should be british because it's not like anybody's doing anything by force it's almost like they're invading their home but the 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 homeowners won't do anything because it would be impolite yeah. to do
0: something. Yes, I
2: mean, really it fun, is totally fun. like Which that. Which is
0: a great Christmas concept because Christmas is a, a time where you like have to be nice to certain family members who you fucking don't like.
2: And you have to act like your family is wholesome and perfect. Yeah,
0: and you gotta gotta fucking put a smile on when you go to work that's bigger than your smile for the rest of the fucking year because it's just like Mariah Carey is just playing on repeat loop and you're living in this crazy fake reality that just exists for a month and it's almost impossible not to get caught up in that shit. And this movie plays on that weird notion where, when these home invaders come, they're like cars broken down, and there's this like family that's like being really fake with each other at the dinner table. Well, and the family Cartesi. is
2: demented. Yeah. They are
0: demented in their own right, in the way, in their like fakery. And when this.
2: it's Well, it's like two parents who look like they stepped out of Leave It to Beaver. Yeah. And they're three young adult children, and they try so hard as you find out more and more throughout the course of the movie. To like repress the kids' individual identities and to make them these just like cookie cutter suburban children.
0: Yeah, this movie's like definitely knows the weird, like sinister undercurrents of living in suburbia. Did you guys rewatch this since I
1: showed it to you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh wow, I did. I, I, I love it. I love I it. I watched it. And no, what... me neither. Wow, it's weird because like I like I liked it, but like when I was watching, I was like, "This is cool," but you guys were like. And I was like, wow, I just found some weirdo shit that really clicked with you guys. It
2: was like the perfect... So I definitely don't love it as much as Charles does. Yeah, Charles, really. But I think it was... It came at exactly the right time in that marathon. And I have a real weakness for Christmas things. Right. And especially, like, I even like that fucking Mariah Carey song. I don't don't even care. But (laughs) it... I think is one of those movies that because it was doing something so different, it's like not something I would want to rewatch every year or maybe even ever, but it it just I'm so glad that something like that exists. Right, right.
0: It's such a hidden gem.
1: It's almost one of those movies where you only rewatch it to show somebody else it. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 The reason why I rewatched it is because I showed it to my parents.
1: Oh, OK. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what did they think of it? Uh, you know they don't like this kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. That's but true. the thing is, though, is that like Greg, my dad, he sat down and watched the whole fucking thing right. because it's one of those movies that like it kind of like sinks its claws into you and it kind way. of ties your brain in a knot.
1: Yeah. Just like what the well, fuck? because
2: you keep thinking like especially if you're at all like we are and you've seen a lot of home invasion exploitation movies and sort of like John was saying, you're expecting it to go into last house on the left or even funny games territory it keeps really playing chicken with you where yeah. it keeps threatening to have these scenes of violence or rape but it instead it just plays these weird mind games like it's almost like the the three home invaders become more interested in in overturning this weird tyrannical suburban fake life, than they are in robbing the family, which is how yeah. it started. In a way, it's a lot like
1: the villain in Cash on Demand. Yeah, who he's clearly yeah he does want that money, but he does
2: want to teach him a lesson yeah. at the same yeah. time.
1: Yeah, like he knows Peter Cushing is a shithead boss, and he's like, like I've had a boss like this. Fuck this guy. Yeah, let's make him squirm.
0: One thing that does freak me out about these fucking kids in this movie, though, they feel like they're all playing a game with each other. And they're like these like crazy fucking like theater kids. And they get themselves invited to Christmas dinner just by like yeah. sheer force of fucking. It's sort of politeness. like they're
1: trying to see how, how much far they, they can, can push. Yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: It feels like every single minute in the movie, it's about to get fucked up. And that tension where they're just like keep tightening up and turning the jack in the box fucking thing I love that feeling I love that feeling and to have it in a Christmas movie it's just it's so weird
2: it's definitely the sort of movie that I highly recommend you track down and put on if you're stuck at your aunt and uncle's house or at your parents house and there are oppressive relatives there yeah
0: <laughs> I I would love for this movie to get Discovered. Like, I I I want to like share it with everybody. And I I I really would love to see a fucking Blu-ray release of this one. Oh my gosh. The only version that exists is this like YouTube fuzzy print.
2: That might be the only version out there is that fuzzy looking. Yeah. Maybe Santa will bring us a present next year.
1: Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Meet the Whitmores, an all-American family. Together again for the holidays. They're fun-loving.
0: But after a quick game of trivial tidbits? They're full of wit. In sculpture, what part of the body is associated with ficus carica? What
1: they don't know is that Christmas is going to be a little bit different this year.
0: Because tonight, the Whitmores are expecting night visitors. We, we wish you a, a merry Christmas. Christmas. We wish you a merry Christmas. We wish you a merry Christmas and a happy. Is that really it? I feel like we just plowed through the. That's interviews. it, baby. That was uh, that was the twelve days of psychotronic Christmas.
2: And technically, the twelve days of Christmas is supposed to start on Christmas, but we, of course started early because i like to celebrate a holiday for the whole month that it's in <laughs> that's how yeah. i
1: feel no no like halloween to me is october yeah christmas is december
2: yes i'm glad we agree
1: wait that's weird the 12 days of christmas starts on
2: christmas and it goes until the beginning of january yeah that doesn't what? make any sense to me okay this is it's some christian bullshit jesus I, fucking I, christ i just not make those up? people fucking, what is fucking yeah. with them?
0: God. Jesus fucking Christ. I mean, literally, God, explain this to us. Trying
2: to take those pagan holidays and overwrite the code. So Thank that they... God
1: Santa invaded and, and took over. Santa's getting a little crazy, though. Like, all right. Like, he's gotten to November to Black Friday, but he's really pushing into Halloween. And Yo, when that's when, I when we're going to have to take Christmas up arms. Shit in October? Oh, yes. yeah. So, yeah. CVS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Having all it's that sort of Halloween like, candy like, and listen, Christmas like, candy, candy yeah, clash. I know Santa and I allied in the Antichrist wars, but... He's getting He's taking way too much Yeah
0: Give give that guy a little fucking power And he starts to You know He starts throwing the fucking I mean it's not
2: Santa's fault It's the marketers
1: And like that's another thing Like people complain about Like Halloween being the devil's holiday Like it's the only one holding the line Christmas would go down to August if it could
0: I don't hear about a fucking million people Killing themselves on Halloween That's true That's true. They do that shit on Christmas Right 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 All right. I think that about does it for us
2: Yeah, hang your stockings by the chimney with care. If you follow any Central or Northern European traditions, don't get yourself beaten by Ruprecht, Santa's helper. Who the fuck? Who is Ruprecht? Well, clearly you didn't grow up in German households. No.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and also one thing I do want to say, I highly encourage you if you're listening to this out there and you've made it through all this fucking nonsense today and you like our show, It comes out a week early on Sam Deegan's Patreon, and she works so hard. Throw her a fucking bone. You know, I'm a patron. John, if you uh, had any money, I'm sure you would be, too. Yeah, that's (laughs) true. When I get a job, I will. Hey, your heart's in the right place, man.
1: (laughs) And also, any listeners, you know, you're lonely, and there's something you really want for Christmas that's really cool that fits in with the show. Tell us about it. We're not gonna get it for you, but I just want to. <laughs> curious what it is. Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love getting Christmas
0: presents for people, and like you know, they sit in my house for a while. I do my shopping early, and I just kind of keep them. You know, this is this is, uh, is this it, is Blu-ray sitting on my shelf and looks really fun. Is it up there. Laura Gemser or Gemser?
2: Gemser.
1: So Severin has been promising a Laura Gemser Emmanuel box set for a few years, and that's my Christmas wish i want that to finally materialize
2: my christmas wish is the same wish that it is every year snow
0: honestly my christmas wish is to pick up that book about chimney sweeps and fucking <laughs> yeah. dead kids climbing up Hell fucking yeah. medieval chimneys
1: oh yeah all right everybody horror movie about fucking dead burnt-up chimney kids fucking slaying their masters.
2: Merry Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. And to all, a good night.